This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you that are watching today. And uh, we especially are delighted to have those who may be watching today for the very first time. We thank you for tuning in. And of course, we're very appreciative of those who watch every time we come on the air. Now today, we want you to stay tuned as we discuss this question, Where are you? Where are you? This is a Bible question. Stay tuned. Now today, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course. And for the benefit of those of you who may be watching today for the very first time, we want to let you have the opportunity of learning more about the course and how you can receive the free Bible correspondence course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from the third chapter of Genesis, and I'm going to be reading beginning in verse number 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God, among the trees of the garden. And the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Where are you? There are many interesting questions that are found in the Bible. But the question found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9 has to be one of the most interesting questions of all. Where are you? 
Man was created in a state of innocence. But man was created in the very beginning with the power of choice. Man was not created as some kind of a robot. He was not created like a puppet that had strings attached to him. Man has a power to choose. He has volitional powers. There are a lot of passages that suggest that to us. For example, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. There's Joshua's statement. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Well, why ask people to make a choice unless they have the power to do so? Daniel had the power of choice. In Daniel 1 and verse 8, he, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He had to make a choice in order to do that. In 1 Kings 18 and verse 21, the statement is made, How long halt you between two opinions? In other words, you have the power to choose between these two sides. And if God is God, serve Him. If Baal then, you serve Him. Would make a choice, make a decision. And then there's a statement that is made in Numbers the 32nd chapter in verse 26. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. Well, why make such a statement unless an individual has the power to respond, the power to to decide, to choose? And then in Hebrews chapter 11, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, rather, to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So Moses had the power to choose. He had the ability to make a decision. And then our Lord suggests that in Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. He will hate one. He will love the other. He'll hold to one. He will despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So a man has to make a decision when it comes to his master. And a man is serving a master may be serving the wrong one, but nonetheless we can make that decision. So originally, man was created in a state of innocence, and man was given the power of choice. But that innocence was left behind when he heard Satan's lie. And the lie was, you shall not surely die. Well, the Lord had told them that they could eat of all the trees of the garden except the one in the midst of the garden. And he said, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to die. But Satan said, this was a lie, you shall not surely die. So they heard that lie. Unfortunately, they believed that lie. And they obeyed that lie. That is, they went ahead and they did the very thing that God had forbidden them to do. And then after they ate of that tree, they tried to hide themselves from God and try to picture Adam and Eve hiding in the garden, trying to hide from God. And then God 
comes to them and asks this question, where are you? I don't believe that God asked that question because God did not know where Adam was. I believe that God asked that question because he wanted Adam to face up to the reality of where he was. I believe that that's a question that every one of us needs to ask ourselves. Where am I in the sight of God? Where are you? you? You see, every person needs to know where he or she is so far as God and Jesus are concerned. Well, that causes me to, to pose a question here. Where can you be in the sight of God? Well, you could be in a state of innocence, and that would be the infant's kingdom. That's where little babies are found. Jesus loved little babies. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, Suffer the little children, and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Some people say that little babies are born sinners. They're born depraved in sin. Jesus just didn't see it that way. Jesus said you need to become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven, Matthew 18, 3. Babies are not subjects of the gospel. The reason they're not subjects of the gospel is because, first of all, they have not been taught to believe. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. And then he said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You might baptize a baby, you might sprinkle a baby, but that baby is not subject to the gospel. And as a matter of fact, sprinkling is not the mode of baptism. It is to be a burial in water, according to Colossians 2.12. But children are babies, little babies, an innocent child is not a subject to the gospel. First of all, they have no sins of which to repent, Luke 13 and 3. Since they're not able to talk, they cannot confess the name of Jesus Christ. They're not subjects to be baptized. And they were not born in a depraved state. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 15 says, You were perfect in your ways from the time you were created till iniquity was found in you. There comes a time in our lives that we leave that state of innocence and that we do recognize what is right and what is wrong. And if we were to say that babies are born in a state of depravity, and that they're born depraved and they're born sinners, I heard a man make that statement just recently in a, in a funeral service. Why he would make that statement in a funeral service, I don't know. And then he even pointed to one of the little children in that audience, and he said, that little child was born a sinner. Well, that's just as contrary to what the Bible teaches anything can be. And if that's the case, inasmuch as children are, are the heritage of the Lord and come from God, Mother E said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. Would that not make God the source of that defilement? But God isn't the source of that defilement. 
When God made Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, they were, they were in a state of innocence until they exercised their freedom of will and they sinned against God. And somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, I've always been taught that, that, we, were, that we were all born in sin and that we were born with a sinful nature. Well, I know that there are certain passages of Scripture that have been perverted, tried to teach that. One of those passages is Psalms 51, verse 5, In, in sin did my mother conceive me. And that did not make David a sinner. His mother was a sinner. And he was born into a world that was filled with sin. But he was born as a, a babe, he was born as one who did not know right from wrong. He was not born. He did not inherit sin and the guilt of sin and the penalty of sin from someone else. You see, if a baby dies, that baby dies in a state of innocence and it will go to the realm of the righteous. Or else when David was weeping over the death of an infant child in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 23, why did David say, I cannot go to him, he cannot come to me, but I'm going to go where he is? Now if that child died in a depraved state, why would David want to go where he is? The, the reason is that when children die, when babies die, never having known right from wrong, never having been taught the Bible, when they die that way, they go into a, to, to be with the Lord. We sometimes say they're safe in the arms of Jesus. So now that's where some could be today, in a state of innocence. That's the infant's kingdom. Now another place that we can be is in sin. We can be in sin. I would call that the non-Christian kingdom. And all of us are under sin. Romans 3 and 10 says, There's none that doeth good. No, not one. All sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Now sin... According to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, it is the, the transgression of law. You see, that's another reason I would suggest that we're not born sinners. And that's because of the very definition of sin itself. Sin is the transgression of law. Then in James chapter 14 is another definition of sin. To know to do good and fail to do it is sin. Sin is the omission of law. To fail to do good when we know to do it is sin. Then in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 17 is another definition of sin. All unrighteousness is sin. So anything that is unrighteous is sin. In Proverbs 14 and 34, Solomon said righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So anything that is of an unrighteous nature, 
That is something that is a violation of the, the Bible itself would be considered sin. Then another definition is found in Romans, the 14th chapter in verse 23. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You see, a violation of a biblically regulated conscience would be sin. If I were to do something that would violate my conscience, and in my mind and in my conscience, because I have read and studied the Bible, I know that that is something that I ought not to do. That would be sin. It is a violation of a biblically regulated conscience. Whatever is not of faith is sin. You see, there comes a time when we should be able to discern between that which is good and that which is evil. Romans 12 and 9 says, Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. And that which can cause an individual to lose his or her soul is sin. Is sin. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Know you not the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire. And Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. He's not there talking about physical death, but spiritual death, which is the separation of the soul of man from God. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 13, Jesus said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way, that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. There are two ways, and we can choose the way that leads to eternal ruin. Some people, if they were asked the question, where are you, would have to say, I'm in that kingdom of the non-Christian. I'm in sin. I, I fear that some people have become hardened by sin, that's a danger. I want to read to you now from the third chapter of Hebrews, verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any one of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. And friends, sin is very deceitful. It is deceitful. Sin promises, makes promises that it cannot fulfill. Sin promises light, but instead it gives you darkness. It promises freedom, and instead of freedom it gives you slavery. It promises you love, and instead of love it gives you hate. It promises you heaven, and instead of heaven, sin gives you hell. You see, sin is so deceitful, and so many people are deceived by sin. But where are you? Where can you be? Where can you be? Well, another place that we can be is in the church. And that's the Christian's kingdom. Somebody says, well, Brother Lambert, you just give me Jesus, but not the church. I don't need the church. Well, 
That would be like saying, give me your body, but not your head. The church is Jesus' body. Ephesians 1, 22 and verse 23. There the Bible says, I put all things under his feet, gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. So Jesus has a body. It's called the church. It's his visible body on earth. That's the church. That's the church is that to which men are added by the Lord when they obey the gospel. And Jesus is the head of the body. And to say, give me Jesus but not the church is like saying, give me the head but don't give me the body. You can't have one without the other. Jesus died for the body, the church. He did. He died for it. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 5 and verse 25. And your husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Well, just how much did he love the church? And he gave himself for it. Jesus, see, died for it. In Acts 20 and 28, we learn how precious the church is to Jesus. There Paul is addressing the elders of the church in Ephesus. And he says unto them, Take heed unto yourselves and all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which hath purchased, well, now, what did he use to purchase the church? With his own blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, the apostle said, you're bought with a price. Well, what's the price? What's the price that purchased the church? The price is blood. And to be in Jesus, is to be in the church. To be in Jesus is to have all spiritual blessings. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, listen to the apostle. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. But in order that we might be in Christ and have access to those blessings, how do we get into Christ? Well, the answer is found in your Bible in Galatians 3.27. No, you're not. That's so many of us as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. But you see, when we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into the body of Christ. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. For by one Spirit, where we're all baptized into one body. That body is the church, as we've already established. And hence, when a person is baptized into Christ, they are baptized into the body of Christ, the church. They then have access to all spiritual blessings. And one of those blessings, just one of them, is the blessing of salvation. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may obtain the salvation which is in 
Christ Jesus. Well, if salvation is in Christ, how do we get into Christ? We are baptized into Him, Galatians 3.27. Romans 6, verses 3 and 4 teach the same thing. We're baptized into Christ. When we're baptized into Christ, we have access to those spiritual blessings, one of them being salvation. But when we're baptized into Christ, we're also baptized into His body, and His body is the church. But when we're baptized into Christ, we also are baptized into the kingdom. Listen to Jesus in John the third chapter talking to Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. For a man to enter the kingdom of heaven, which is the church, another name for the church, he must be born of water and of the Spirit. One uh, commentator on John 3 and 5 said, by water evidently here is signified baptism. And although I may disagree with that commentator on a lot of things, I think he's exactly correct on that. You see, he's talking about being baptized into Christ, baptized into the kingdom, baptized into the body of Christ. So let me ask you, where are you? Are you in the church, the non-Christian's kingdom? But there's another place we can be, and that is you can be an apostasy. And that's the backslider's kingdom. Here's an individual who at one time was a faithful member of the Lord's church. They were there every time the doors opened. They, they were involved in the church, but something happened along the way, and they started backing up, and they started drifting. They were kind of like the statement read in the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah was describing God's people when he said that they were slidden back by a perpetual backsliding. And people like that are now fallen from God's grace. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 4. Now I want to ask you, where are you now? Because you see, where you are now will determine where you will be in eternity. And I want you to be in heaven I would urge you to become a Christian, to give your life to Christ, be added to the Lord's church by the Lord himself. One day when life is over, heaven will be your home. I want to thank you for watching today and in our closing moments. May I give you a personal invitation to visit the church of Christ in your community. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my fervent prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles.